Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, hello, everybody. This is Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate, and once again, Charles is out traveling, visiting some clients, and he is on the phone. Charlie, are you there? Oh, Charles. Uh, Charles, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I thought, I'd, you know, you're you're working a lot this week, so I thought maybe we'd just use Charles. It's more, <coughs> yeah. more proper. So, <coughs> that also, sounds good. Also still sick, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Still trying to recover it. Do you Week like four. at this wow. point? Do you think you're going to recover? No, okay. I actually don't. But well, that's okay. We got a four dawn because it's time to wake up and smell the liberty. <laughs> it's good to at least set realistic expectations with yourself. Just go ahead and plan on living like this forever. So, right. So, um, it's my responsibility. We're, just shoulder that and take it with you. You know. Yeah. But uh, one thing that people need to do is hit. Subscribe. Hit the subscribe button if you like this show. If you care about getting this message out to more people, the more subscribers we have, the better we will be able to do it, doing that for you every single day. It's going to take our show and put it automatically on your phone so you don't have to worry about going and looking for it. you got plenty of stuff to worry about every day. Just let your iPhone handle this one. It'll be a lot easier. Yeah. Or your droid. I'm not, you know, I'm not... I'm not trying to be not trying to discriminate here against different phones, but I would definitely what's the percentage again for the podcast market? Do you remember Charlie as far as how many people listen on on iPhones versus versus droids? I think Apple still has like over 50%. Okay. But, okay. But uh the other, you know, Google Podcast and the other ones are gaining ground. Well, so so statistically you're probably listening on an iPhone right now, but we don't know. We don't know. But what we have to do today is we have to showcase what having principles look like because you guys have heard us on this show before. We have talked very fondly about Senator Rand Paul, one of our favorite guys in the Senate, one of our favorite politicians out there, if not our favorite politician out there. But we are not loyal to Senator Rand Paul, we are loyal to the ideas of liberty, and we are going to uh, talk fondly about people who we think are taking us towards liberty, and we are going to call people out when we feel like they're going in the wrong direction. And today, Senator Rand Paul, who is healing on the mend from his uh, having part of his lung removed last week, so first off, Charlie, we have to we have to keep in mind that he could be on some pretty strong pain meds right now. Might not be thinking. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Definitely on some some pain medication or something. He has to be. <laughs> yeah, but is, regardless, this, this is a is public statement. So we have to call him out on this, Mister Senator Rand Paul, Doctor Rand Paul, bastion of liberty for for all that is good and kind out there saying. 
I am not opposed to some sort of an emergency order for 48 hours, and then you get a hearing in a court where you get the full due process protections, he said in the interview. It's one thing that could fix a lot of stuff. I think most of these homicidal attackers are sending off signals to their family and community. That is Rand Paul coming out in favor of some kind of national red flag laws. Now, the first problem I see with that is, is that he's okay with an emergency order for 48 hours and then due process can, can take place. It's like, well, you've already screwed up due process. Yeah. <laughs> it, by, by supporting an emergency order for 48 hours, it doesn't matter what the time frame is. You've already circumvented the due process clause. So I don't understand how, how do you wrap your mind around that legally anyway? Yeah. How is that not a violation of, of your due process clause of your of your fourth and fifth amendment rights? I feel like it, it would kind of seem close to me like you know how when you get arrested for something you could be held in jail without bond before you're ever found guilty of anything. So it it sounds more like like that, which I, I don't agree with unless you're a danger to society in some kind of way. But in this case no crime has taken place. It's a little bit different in that well, other that, circumstance. That's the thing. We've already got laws against I mean, if you make a valid threat towards somebody, then you can be arrested for that. Yeah, if you, you, if know, you there, post or... There if, was a... Well, did you see that article that came out the other day? There was a, uh, a potential shooter at a Missouri Walmart and a concealed carry gun uh, permit holder pulled his weapon on the guy who uh, the guy had a rifle and like over a hundred rounds and he held him at gunpoint until the police arrived and they arrested him. Um, he never shot anybody, but he had plans to, and he was, he was a threat and he was arrested for that. <laughs> now, um, this guy, I think they, I think they later found that he was just a second amendment gun nut. And he, he said that he was just testing whether or not Walmart was going to allow him to have his Second Amendment rights. Uh, but I don't know if he actually had any plan on killing anyone. I, I haven't read much else into it. Um, oh, okay. It sounded like he was just one of those guys that likes to walk around the store with an AR-15 on their back just to just to uh, make people unsettled um, and yeah. just, to, just to prove that he can, one of, one of those kind of guys. But, I mean... I, mean, I haven't seen that come out. Well, once again, this guy... For, He's if that's the case, I mean, he's an idiot and he's hurting our Second Amendment rights because that's not a smart thing to do. Even if you should be allowed to do it, common sense would tell you that a few days after a shooting at a Walmart that killed 20 people, uh, not a good thing to walk around in body armor and a bunch of ammo and your gun in Walmart. I mean, you're just being a you're just being a D bag at that point in time. If that if, if that's what you're doing. But. In this case, that I understand that if you if you make some kind of threat and it's credible, like you were saying, I mean, if I post on Facebook tonight that I'm going to go shoot up a building full of people tomorrow, whatever it may be, I mean, the cops are going to show up at my door if they can if they can find that. The FBI is going to show up at my door. You know, they're going to some, someone's going to be there before I go do it. So there, there is, I guess there, there is a, a place where the police can, can act beforehand, but 
we have to determine what, what a credible threat is going to be. And the problem is this is always going to be up for debate, right? What's a credible threat? What's a credible threat of violence? Who's too violent? Who's too unhinged to have their own guns? You know, we're, we're going to be able to change this back and forth for forever with these laws. Yeah. That's, uh, I it guess seems like, uh, it seems like Cuomo might be unhinged. I guess, I guess so. Uh, we have this tweet from at real Donald Trump and, uh, we can see, we can see this mentality already playing out. He is literally, it's Tuesday of this week. And he is already coming out and showing us how danger, how dangerous the idea of red flag laws can be. Because here's his tweet. He said, would Chris Cuomo be given a red flag for his recent rant? Filthy language and a total loss of control. He shouldn't be allowed to have any weapon. He's nuts! Exclamation point. Now, I don't Sorry. care. <laughs> I don't care what you think about Chris Cuomo or whatever his politics are, or whatever happened in his filthy language-ridden rant that he went on. This is absolute disgusting that the chief executive in the United States is going to be tweeting out saying that you could have your guns taken away because you went on a rant in public. You know, that's... Right. This is, this is obviously right, right here already. As I said, it's Tuesday of this week we've just started talking about the red flag thing and trump is already out there showing exactly why we are afraid of this happening already i mean uh, it, did you it's kind of scary honestly it, it is because it is because you don't know who the next president is even going to be i mean what if what if because you support trump later on you go on a list of people that need their guns taken away or what if because you listen to this podcast, you're, you're violent? Because we're out here yeah. talking about liberty, which I guess is going to be tied to gun violence probably at some point in time. So, I mean, technically, you could say you could even classify us as anti-government because we want the least amount of government possible. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, anybody who talks about reducing the size and power and scope of government, you're, I mean, you're almost committing treason. Just about because you don't want a big, bad, powerful government. You're, you're certainly, you're certainly too dangerous to be allowed to have weapons. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. Yeah. You're gonna have to prove that you are stable enough to have those weapons. So, I don't know, man. And what does that mean? So, so if you wanted to get your guns back, what would that, what would that look like? Would I'm, you have to say, oh, I'll stop advocating for liberty? I'm not so sure. I can get my guns back. You kind of have to prove a, a negative. Like, I can't really, you know, someone, you're in Louisville right now. Someone in Louisville got murdered yesterday. If I just show up at your house and put you, decide I'm going to put you in jail and say, you have to prove to me that you didn't commit this crime, then you're going to have a hard time proving that unless you just wear around the body camera all the time you know that uh, at that point in time maybe you could prove it but it's really hard to disprove a negative that you can't you can't put this on someone and then say that they have to prove that they aren't dangerous how do you prove that you're not going to do something like how right how, how can you actually prove that at all 
if you haven't committed any crime whatsoever, how do you prove that you're not going to commit a crime? I don't know. I, don't, I guess you have to dip, maybe you have to make a public statement of support for the government, you know, so, so, something like that. It's uh, it's it's looking. Well, pretty. this is where the, the, and then yeah, what do you, like? Do we have special judges, special courts for this? How does it actually play out? Have you? I haven't had a chance to read any like proposed red flag laws, but you just have to wonder how this all plays out with the, you know, because are, are we going to have juries every forty-eight hours? It's just going to be a bunch of, you know, people in court, and is the burden of proof going to be on the prosecution on the state? to say like we have reasonable suspicion and proof that this guy or gal is not stable enough to own his weapons or her weapons. Yeah. And they, and the thing about it is, is like, okay, if they do take him for 48 hours and you have to prove that you can have him back, you know, what if, or if the prosecution, what if they can't prove that you are, that you're not allowed to have them. So, you just get them back after 48 hours, and then what if you go on a shooting spree after that? That's yeah. what, like, <laughs> there's no way that this worked, ever. They're basically betting on, you know, the the one or two instances in the last 10 years that we've seen someone um, obviously say that they were going to hurt people in some kind of way. I don't even know specifically when this has happened. I know the, I know the, the um, was it the Parkland shooter... Uh, they said he had displayed, they he had displayed things that were really a lot of red flags, uh, that were, I think he was investigated at one point in time by the FBI. Don't uh, don't quote me on that one. But one of the shooters down in Florida was was investigated and had had found nothing because he had committed no crimes yet. So it, there's there's really not a lot of room for this to help anything. Like I said on the show yesterday, we had the shooting in Antioch, Tennessee. That guy had already had his guns taken away. They, he had already been subjected to a red flag law. And he still got a gun and went into a Waffle House and shot the place up. It just, it, these things don't matter at all. They, they really don't matter. And Joe, by the way, Joe Biden wrote an op-ed in what I believe was the Washington Post uh, yesterday calling for an assault weapons ban. Once again, an assault weapons ban. Can, uh, did we even figure out what that is yet? No, I'm not sure. I mean, I gotta <laughs> the figure scary out. Scary looking one. The scary ones, yeah, yeah, that. Now, you yeah. know, I shared a, I shared a video from uh, Nicholas Friedis last night, where he, uh, it's kind of a video that made him famous, a famous delegate in Virginia, and or West Virginia, I can't remember which, where is he, where, what state he's in. But he's a state representative. They call him delegates. And he, this wasn't, uh, I think this was after the Parkland shooting. But, you know, before that, we'd had Sandy Hook and other school shootings. And he was talking about an open, honest debate about, you know, guns and what can we do. And he brought up some very important things. But he said a, a lot of the same things that we've been talking about for a very, very long time, and especially recently on the show. But, we can't have a debate with with people like uh, Joe Biden because they just make they're just making things up. Like, what is an assault weapon? Is and Nicholas said, "What is that? Just a weapon that looks scary?" <laughs> yeah. You know what? Let's actually define this. 
the other things I liked he said in that speech is that, you know, one statistic that's never talked about is how often a good guy or good gal with a gun actually prevents crime. And not only when that gun is used against the perpetrator, but when the mere presence of another firearm, you know, prevents the, the crime from being committed, no one ever talks about how often that happens. Yeah. We only talk about how often a mass shooting happens, which in the grand scheme of life, I think you did the math uh, not that long ago, Nate. Uh, we don't have that many mass shootings, technically. No, not technically. Especially on a scale, especially on a scale that like the media likes to portray, you know, where 20-something people are dead. Most mass shootings, as I've already pointed out, are actually gang-related. And yeah. they're in major cities. They're in places like Chicago and Memphis and New Orleans. Yeah, that's one thing that we can't... It's another disproving something or trying to prove how many times a gun has saved someone's life. Because no one died, and you don't know if people were going to die or not, really. So there's not a lot of great statistics on that. You have, like, some maybe some for sure times that someone was going to open fire and someone held them down until the police got there. Someone opened fire and they were taken out, but you don't have a number of people saved because you don't know if that person was going to be able to perpetrate a, a mass shooting on the scale of the one in El Paso, or if they were going to perpetrate one on the scale of the waffle house close by to here. Uh, so you don't really have a good number of how many people have been saved by lawful gun owners carrying their weapons in public, but I, I gotta say, uh, why don't we just create? Why don't we just create some algorithms and a computer model for that? Yeah, I could just project that out and based on like the the skill, the skill of the perpetrator, the uh, the round, the amount of ammunition and weapons, the size of the space, the amount of people, how far away law enforcement are, what what are past events. Yeah, you could say like, okay, well, there were a hundred people in this room, and that's kind of like whatever this nightclub. And if the perpetrator would have had uh, a decent amount of training and had, you know, let's say a hundred rounds of ammunition, they could have killed twenty-one people, and thirty-seven more would have been injured. Yeah, yeah, because you know? can... then you, and then you say, well, if you stop that from happening, well, you save, then you save. Injury. Yeah. Um, you can go ahead and get to work on that, man. Have a good time. Yeah. Have a good time with that. I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I know we've talked about the gun thing a lot over the last few episodes. Um, the main thing today, we got to show you, you got to show your principles. And, and I think the takeaway from this is to, to have a principle, not exactly to have a party or, or a politician that you follow. I think today really we, a lot of people just follow their political party and whatever their political party does, then that's okay. Or obviously a lot of people out there following president Trump and anything that president Trump suggests we do, then it must be a good thing. Well, this is the difference in having a principle that says the right of the people to keep and bear arms should, shall not be infringed. And this even goes for great politicians like Rand Paul. Because we have supported him. We drove all the way up to Iowa for one of his campaign events one time. And we are also going to sit here on our show and talk about how 
maybe he was just high on pain meds from his surgery for doing this because it's a uh, ridiculous idea. And it's very disappointing to come from yeah. him. He's wrong. He's, he's wrong. He's absolutely wrong. Yes. And, you know, I so uh, there are times in my life where I've listened to a sports radio show. And they have this great segment called uh, You Just Made the List. And it's kind of like a like a sh- list, you know? I yeah. can't I can't finish that out. Yeah. Um my mom listens to the show a shoot, but a shoot list. Uh Yeah, shoot list. <laughs> <laughs> is that was that pun intended? I guess so. <laughs> and, and uh Well, actually we should probably change the name uh, of this list before you finish this. Change probably. Yeah. yeah. We'll just call it the shoot list. Definitely. Yeah. So it's a sh- I Wait, I say sh- and then you say it. Okay. All right. <laughs> you said that when we were a kid. But anyway, it's it's a it's a segment. It's like you just made the list. <laughs> and uh, Rand Paul today, he's on my list. He made the list. He made the crap uh, list. He did for sure. He did. It's disappointing. And this is what's important. Uh, what? Who is it? Chris Ann Call who says uh, principle over party. Yeah. Um. Or, or principle over politicians. Yep. And that's exactly what this is. Because and this isn't the first time we've called Rand Paul out. No, no. And it, I, I said this in a post the other day, but you have to remember, we have to remember too, the politicians come and go. At the end of the day, if you're someone who's just supporting Donald Trump on everything that he does, great. That's going to get you about one to five more years, and then you have nothing after that. You just have a bunch of years where you supported whatever Donald Trump did. Or you can uh, align yourself with a set of principles, find out what your principles are, and just support those principles. And then it doesn't matter what politicians are in office because politicians come and go from year to year. And when they leave, you can still be left with your set of principles. That way you have something afterwards because a lot of people that are out there just supporting Donald Trump and everything he does are going to be left with nothing after he's out of office. No principles whatsoever. No room to talk negatively about Republicans or Democrats because they've supported things that were against the Constitution for years now because Trump wants to do it. So there's really no room anymore. They're they're making it look uh, they're they're fitting the narrative that is in the media that Trump supporters are really just racist and they don't really care about anything else other than hating immigrants. Well, they're really helping feed that narrative because if at the end of the day we get a president Kamala Harris and she's proposing something that trump is proposing right now and you're against it then guess what you're not a principal person you're just a racist that's all it is and that's i mean what... how, how crazy is it that how crazy is it that we heard you know through all of the 2016 presidential election that we have to elect donald trump because hillary clinton's going to destroy the Second amendment yeah and now look what's happening three years later you have republicans they're supposed to be conservatives that shouted that we had to vote Donald Trump because if we didn't, then Hillary Clinton was going to get elected and you can kiss the Second Amendment goodbye. It's, and now you have the Republican Party that's leading the charge, literally leading the charge. And, we already He's already banned bump stocks. He's done more to destroy the Second Amendment than the last, you know, 10 presidents combined, probably. <laughs> so it's like. What, what exactly did we vote for? I mean, I didn't vote for Trump anyway. Yeah. But all the people that were convinced to vote for Trump, what did they vote for that we didn't get in Hillary Clinton? Well, and the 
this also gives you a little bit of insight into how the Democrats or people on the left are really better at negotiating and winning their position because they've done this on taxes forever. They say, we want 70% taxes. And what happens is the Republicans end up compromising on like 30% instead. And this is really just the same thing. You know, people on the left will come out and say, we want gun confiscation. We want an assault weapons ban. And so instead, the Republicans come out and say, oh, hold, okay, we'll do this. We'll do this. You know, everyone calm down. We're going to make these new laws, and it's going to make everyone safer. And so we always end up compromising in the wrong direction all the time. I, I, we really need someone out there arguing for the, the pure liberty standpoint on something. When I go out there on the debate stage and I say, I want 0% taxes, no taxes, and I want all of our military withdrawn back to the U.S., now let's negotiate from that standpoint. Or I want no gun laws whatsoever at all. Every single law that's on the book, take it off the books. And then let's negotiate back towards that direction. But that's not whatever ha that's not whatever happens. What always happens is the left ends up going more and more extreme and we end up compromising in their direction all the time. And that's how we get here. It takes a hundred years, but that's how we get here. So um Every was, time. We're, was, always, we're always giving things up. I did this article today. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it yet, Charlie, on the uh, the state of Illinois. Uh, anyone listening, just so you know, Charlie and I are both from southern Illinois. We say southern Illinois because it really is a different place from the rest of Illinois. Um, it's, it's you think Chicago. Illinois. <laughs> what'd you say? It's not Chicago. It's not Chicago. Yeah, anything south of Chicago, I guess. But, yeah, we're from southern Illinois, and we moved from there about 10 years ago. And since then, things were pretty bad in the state at that point in time, too. But since then, they've just really gone off their rockers. And this new one, I mean, you're talking about a state severely in debt. Their pension program is greatly underfunded. People are moving out of the state uh, day, day in, day out. It's 40 people a day are just moving to Wisconsin. That's not counting all the other people. So it's a lot of people leaving the state. Wow. Their population's declining. Their taxes are going up. Uh, they keep instituting all these new fees, all these new taxes all the time. And then they come up with this new idea, which is that you can, to graduate from high school in Illinois, they are going to require that you be able to read and write. Oh, no, sorry, not that. They are going to require that you fill out an application for federal student age, uh, aid, or you cannot graduate. You have to fill out an application to receive federal student aid. And to me, that's absolutely no. nuts. It is so crazy. Now we had somebody ask, because uh, the, short, the short for this is FAFSA. Yeah. FAFSA. FAFSA. Somebody asked what that was, and that did... That is uh, federal aid. So if you usually make less than a certain amount or your parents, it's actually more all it's actually all about your parents' income. If they make under a certain amount, then you can qualify for federal aid to go to school. Now, <clears throat> if I have parents and one's a doctor and the other's a lawyer, 
uh, and you make over six figures, there's literally zero reason to fill it out because you're never going to qualify. Yeah. So why in the world think to yourself, why would they make this requirement to, is that to figure out what your parents make? Well, to I, make sure that they're getting all the tax money that you get? I think it's just, well, that's one thing. That's a pretty decent idea, actually. I hadn't even thought about it that way. But I think the well, other... Well, Illinois is taxing everybody out of the state. True, true. Trying to make sure they can get all your all of your finances on record. But I actually think that the reason they're doing this is really just a pretty simple, basic economic reason. You see, they have a lot of kids right now that may or may not be going to college. There could be a lot of them that are actually not going to go to college. Maybe they're going to go into a trade school. Maybe they're going to learn how to weld. Maybe they're going to go work in a coal mine. Who knows? So they have a lot of kids in school right now that are actually not going to go to college or don't plan on it. But what they know is really pretty a, a pretty simple marketing technique. If they get you to fill out this application and then you get something in the mail from the government a month later saying, hey, we're actually going to give you $5,000 to go to school. Well, what can actually, they're going to give you like $5,000 to go to school. Well, what can actually happen from that is when you see that saying, hey, I'm going to get five grand. They're going to pay me this much money to go to school. That means college is going to cost almost nothing. Well, what they're going to do when that happens is they're going to say, oh, it might actually be a good idea for me to go and get a degree. Maybe it's not going to cost very much. So they end up just having a lot more people go to college. And that's actually what they said was the purpose of this law. To me, I, I liken it a lot to, have you guys ever gone to Old Navy? And you can really use any department store, but Old Navy is one specifically that does this. When you get something from them, they give you like a $10 Old Navy cash coupon. And what happens is that triggers something in your mind that says, well, I can't waste this $10 that they've given me. This is $10, and if I don't spend it, it's like throwing the $10 bill away. So what ends up happening is you go to Old Navy and you spend some money. And what happens? You end up spending more than $10. So they know that it's a pretty good deal for them to give you this $10 off coupon. So, and by the way, I wanted to say to you guys listening to the podcast right now, about, about two hours has passed since you heard Charlie and I talking just a couple minutes ago. So the power actually went out. There's a terrible storm going on here. The power just came back on, and I, I actually haven't been able to get a hold of Charlie. So I'm just going to keep going. He told me to go on if he was not here for me. So I'm going to keep going. So what the state of Illinois is doing is really what a lot of businesses do. The difference is the business, take Old Navy as an example, the business is not forcing you to do this. They're not forcing you to take this. and They're not forcing you to get anything from them whatsoever. They're not saying, I'm not going to let you leave with these products unless you take this $10 off coupon. That's not what Old Navy says. But that is, in fact, what the state of Illinois is saying when they say that you will not be able to graduate if you do not apply 
for financial aid. So what this means is there's going to be a lot of kids that were not going to go to college that maybe did not need to go to college that are now going to be taking on some kind of debt. Because remember, yeah, this is, this is federal, aid, federal aid towards college, but it's in no way a promise that you're not going to have more expenses than what they're going to give you. Most of the time what happens is they give you a set amount, a couple thousand dollars, something like this, and you end up spending more than that. That's the same thing that Old Navy does. It, it really is the same thing. So what Illinois is doing here is they're actually helping further the college debt bubble that we are in right now. Just like the housing bubble that we are in in 2007 and 2008. You see, what was happening in 2007-2008 is that through the Community Reinvestment Act of, I believe, 1995, what happened was the government, first off, made it illegal for banks to draw these red line districts. What banks were doing was they were saying, there is, not a, there is no way that we are going to purchase a house in this area. And what they found was maybe typically these ended up being uh, prim primarily minority communities uh, for, for whatever reason. So they said, you can't do the red line districts anymore. You have to think from the bank standpoint, what's happening when you actually go get a house? Because you're not going to a house that you like. You're not going to the realtor and saying, hey, I've got $200,000. Here you go. I'd like to buy this house. That's not what you're saying because you don't actually have enough money to get the house. What's actually happening is the bank is buying the house. And then you then in return are purchasing the house from the bank. So when the bank goes to buy a house, what they say is pretty common sense thing. Um, I'm not going to buy a house in a neighborhood that has a history of declining in value that has a really high crime, uh, has a low value, uh, a lot lower chance of me actually making some kind of return on this house. Because what happens if you default on the loan, if you end up not paying them back the money, the bank has to foreclose, and then they have to sell the house. So they have a risk. So that's why they were drawing these red line districts. But what happened was the government made that illegal. And then they made more money available for people to go and get loans. <clears throat> You get your first-time homebuyer loans, things like this. They're making low interest rate loans available in a case where they would not have otherwise been available. So they create, they create money that is now available, which then raises the demand for the product artificially because it's not in the free market here. This is money that would not have otherwise been there. So then they raise the demand for this product then they make it illegal to not give loans to people who, through their credit rating or through their area, have a low likelihood of paying back that loan. Maybe they don't even have a job. Who knows? So they make that illegal. They artificially raise the demand for houses. And then what happens? The price of houses just shoots up for years and years and years. And eventually what we find is that one day someone looks back, the market starts to take a turn. These people who have all these securities start to look back and say, whoa, 
we have all these houses. People are defaulting on these loans. People are losing their jobs, or we're not getting our money back. And by the way, these houses are not worth this much money. So what ends up happening is people look and they say, well, houses are all, I mean, the, the house, the home value has gone all the way up to this. If this were a free market, if this money wasn't artificially available, if the interest rates were where they actually need to be, well, then the price of the house would actually be half as, half as much. So you end up having this big bubble pop. And it's the same thing. You know, the banks kind of go under at that point in time. Obviously, they get a bailout. Not in support of that whatsoever. But they would not have done what they did if they would not have had a guarantee from the government that they were going to cover all the losses. Keep that in mind. So the banks get a bailout because now they have all these houses. Now they have all this debt that they can't cover. So now you fast forward to the college debt bubble, as I would like to call it. Well, in 2010, the government took over the federal student loan process. No more private loans because they were charging too high of interest rates, or maybe they weren't giving certain people loans, people who they didn't think were going to pay it back. So obviously the federal government has to step in and make all of these programs available now. And just like they did with the housing crisis, what they've done is they have made a lot of money available that would not have otherwise been available. And what have you seen? What has happened to the price of college over the last 10 years? Because in the 10 years before, in the 10 years before the government took over the loan process, yeah, the price of college was going up. It had about doubled in that time. But now since they took over the loan process, it's quadrupled in just as much time. Because when you take when you add in an artificial supply of money, when you give people money that they would not have otherwise been able to get, then what always ends up happening is demand goes up artificially, and thus the price goes up as well. That's what's happened to our college pricing. And just like we have with the banks and the housing collapse, I do believe we will have with colleges in the college debt bubble. Because now we have all these colleges that have adjusted their prices. They're living, they're living high on the hog right now. Okay? They don't have to worry about efficiency. They don't have to worry about how they're going to make a profit. Because there's basically an unlimited supply of money available for what they're selling artificially. Now, if they had to sell what they were selling on an open market, they would have had to be uh, curbing their prices this whole time. They would have had to find a way to give people a really good college education at a very affordable price. Otherwise, they would not have been able to stay in business whatsoever. But what's actually happened is we have the college debt bubble. We have artificial money being available for these colleges. So now over all this time, you have these colleges on their hundreds of millions of dollars a year budget where if they would have had to operate in the free market, maybe the instructors would not be getting $250,000 salaries. Maybe they wouldn't have built that $20 million rec center. Maybe they would have found a way to provide a quality education for a lot lower price. So what's going to happen is this money, at some point in time, at some point in time, this money is not going to be available anymore. Whether it be because we have a major collapse in our government system, because we have so much debt, and such high deficits, 
whether it be a collapse in the dollar, whether it be, you know, what, what might happen is the price just keeps going up and up. What I think is going to happen is people are going to start making the decision, rightly in a lot of cases, they're going to be making the decision to not go to college. They're going to say, hey, I could go train in some kind of skill. I could learn, I could get on codeacademy.com and learn how to code in SQL or Visual Basic or some kind of Java coding language for 40 bucks a month. And then when they get done with that, they can go and get a job making 70 bucks an hour at some technology company. People are going to start to see this. They're going to start to see that maybe if you're going to school to become, I don't know what the, maybe if you're going to school to become a business marketing major, maybe that's not worth fronting $150,000 when you don't even know if you'll be able to get a job in that field afterwards. So what's going to end up happening is people are going to stop going to school. They're going to stop going to college. And what's that going to do to the colleges? Well, now you're going to, now you're going to have what probably, probably what's happening in Illinois right now. Because I know Illinois' colleges are not doing all that great because people have been fleeing the state by the thousands because of the high taxes. Businesses are leaving. People do not want to go there for college. There are college towns that have been talking about shutting down because the colleges are about to go bankrupt. This is happening to the last college that I attended, SIU. These people are out of money. Their enrollment is way down. So I wouldn't put it past some of these colleges, U of I, SIU, Northern Illinois, any of these colleges, to go to the government and say, hey, our enrollment's way down. We got to find a way to get more people to go to school because we got to get more money coming in somehow. Why don't you pass a law saying that you will not be allowed to graduate from high school if you do not first apply for financial aid to go to college? Actually, sounds like a pretty good plan if you're someone that's running a college. So anyway, guys, I'm going to leave it at that today. I didn't expect to do the rest of the podcast without Charlie, but I wanted to go ahead and wrap that up for you. Subscribe to the show. Hit that button. What that does, that helps us out so much. If you like this message, if you think more people need to hear this, if you think your friends need to hear this or your family, share it with them. Hit subscribe. That way you can get the rest of our shows sent directly to your phone so you don't have to worry about them. And just go do that. Go follow us on Instagram at GoodMorningLiberty. On Twitter at GoodAMLiterate. <laughs> Literally, I don't think that's it. On Twitter, at GoodAMLiberty. You can uh, look us up on Facebook, Good Morning Liberty. YouTube, if you want to go to our YouTube channel. Get some merch. We have t-shirts that say, shall not be infringed on them really big. Or they say, taxation is theft. Or we have some that say, uh, we have a, actually, it's the state of Illinois. And there's an arrow pointing to the bottom, says Southern Illinois. And then the arrow pointing to the top says, Socialist Illinois. And it says separate the state real big on it. So if uh, any of you Illinois people are listening, go over to goodmorningliberty.us slash shop. Go over to goodmorningliberty.us slash shop. And we will see you there. If you guys do all of that, then we will see you tomorrow. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>